Open your Bibles this morning, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, as Aaron said a few moments ago, this is Palm Sunday. This coming Friday is what is, is, what is commemorated as Good Friday. We honor and remember the death of Jesus Christ. And then next Sunday is, is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And it's going to be a great day here. We'll tell you more about it in church news later. Three services next week. A couple of the service times shift a little bit. Be aware of that. It's going to be a great, great day. There are some invite cards out there. Stop by the Connection Center. Grab a handful of these. Pass them out to family and friends. A lot of people will show up at church next week who don't show up on a regular basis. So please, pass some of these out and let's see what God will do in our, in our church services next week as we honor the resurrection of Jesus and we talk about the story of redemption. How many of you know the story of redemption is a great story? We're going to be telling it next Sunday morning. It's going to be a great, great day. Let's pray. Father, today we welcome you. We honor your presence here today. We've set aside time to praise you, to worship you, to honor you for who you are and what you are. Now we set aside this time and we still our hearts and we open our spiritual eyes and ears to hear what you have to say to us. And Father, on this Sunday, I pray that you would help us to have understanding of something in our life that maybe we haven't seen and understood before. That as we follow you and go forward with you, we'll have a new determination to see you do greater things. We thank you for what you accomplished today. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to begin reading from verse 1 in just a couple of minutes. We're going through a group of messages, not really a series, but a group of messages that I simply call things that matter. Things that matter. I think this is like the seventh uh, message in this series. Today I want to talk to you about three ways to see life. I want to talk about life, how we see it, and three ways that Scripture tells us to see life. You know, 2 Timothy is a letter that was written by Paul to a young minister named Timothy. And it was written to Timothy during some very difficult days. I won't take time to go into a lot of it. But the letter of 1 Timothy was written during some really good days. The church is growing, it's thriving, everybody's loving it, it's just a wonderful thing. But then persecution, everybody say persecution. Persecution, persecution breaks out and now they're not only being persecuted with words, now they're being cast in prison, Christians are being killed for their faith in God. Those people who are kind of the looky-loos of Christianity, those who are kind of on the, on the fringes, they're jumping and running and hiding for cover and saying, uh, I'm not sure about all this. And in the middle of all this, Paul writes 2 Timothy to Timothy, and he gives him this letter to encourage him in difficult times. And I believe that these words can encourage us today with what we might be dealing with in life. So look, if you would, at verse number one. This is just the beginning of the, the introduction to this message. Verse number 1 in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, You therefore, Timothy, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice those words. Read it again. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses... Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The beginning of this message, I want to take the encouragement that Paul is giving to Timothy here. 
And I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about it before I get into the, the, the real meat of the message. Paul says that in the grace of God, there is also the strength of God. Or let me put it this way. The strength of God is found when we're standing and depending upon the grace of God. When I was a teenager, there was a minister who was fairly well known in Southern California who was speaking in my home church, and he made this statement. It wasn't original. I've heard it many times since. But the statement simply goes like this. God's will cannot place you where his grace cannot keep you. God's will cannot place you where his grace cannot keep you. I've held on to that for many, many years, and God worked a big deal in my life in my teenage years with that very thought. Paul's talking about this. He says God's grace is accompanied by God's strength. God's strength is found in his grace, not apart from it. See, I think sometimes we try to live our lives saying, okay, well, I got to do this and this and this and this and this, and maybe I'll have the grace of God. I can do this in my strength, and I can do that in my strength. I have to do all these things to have God's grace. God's grace is a free gift that we accept by faith. And God's strength is found in the grace, not apart from it. He doesn't say, operate in your strength, and you'll find grace. He says, no, come and accept my grace, and you will find strength. Maybe what he was really saying to Paul was, or what Paul was saying to Timothy was, you need to trust God's strength and not your own. See, here's what I believe about God, our strength and God's strength and uh, our abilities and God's grace. I believe we're supposed to do everything we can do to follow Jesus. I, suppose, I believe I'm supposed to do everything I can to walk with God, to follow God, to follow his instructions, live by faith. But when I run into challenges that are bigger than me, that's where God's grace kicks in and the strength of God comes upon me to do things that I couldn't do in my own strength. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. In this time of persecution and difficulty, be strong in the grace of God that you find yourself in. So with God's grace and God's strength, in verse 2, he, he basically says, now you have the grace of God, now you have the strength of God, so go and finish, complete your mission, finish living the life that God has called you to live. So let me, let me just, in this introduction, set this up for you. Whatever God's called you to do, whatever God's put in your heart, whatever dreams and goals you have in your life that you believe God is honoring, you can run after those things and you can believe God to give you strength to see it all come to pass. So go for it. Turn to somebody and say, go for it. Oh, some of you all need a kick in the pants this morning. Go for it. Notice I said pants, okay? You need a kick in the pants. We have a lot of religious folks in first service, so I'll be careful what I say. Some of you need a good pick, kick in the pants to get you going forward. And if I offended anybody, I'm sorry. That's just kind of how, how I roll sometimes. But then in, in, the next, <laughs> in the next few verses... After talking about God's grace and God's strength, Paul gives us three illustrations of how we need to see life. Three illustrations of how we need to see life. And this is really what I want to talk about today. One of the reasons so many believers struggle in life is because they never develop a right perspective of how you see things. We let the world tell us how to see life. 
We let everything around us going on. We let our emotions tell us how to see life. We let family and friends and people that we admire and people that are our peers that put pressure on us. We allow a lot of things to develop our perspective of life and we basically say we'll just fall in line and think like everybody else. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says we're not to be conformed to the world. We're to have our thinking changed that we can become everything God created us to be. So today I want to talk about how you see life. Paul gives us three illustrations. And as a matter of fact, you know, I think a lot of our struggles are a result of our misconception of our life circumstances. We tend to missee and misunderstand what's going on in life. So number one, look at verse number three. Here, here's the first illustration he gives us. We're going to talk about three things today, three illustrations. Number one, we need to see life through the eyes of a good soldier. We need to see life through the eyes of a good soldier. Look at verse 3. Paul says, Timothy, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Timothy, difficult days may be upon you. You need to face those days as a good soldier. Now, let me ask a question this morning. I, don't, I only do this because I just want to identify my audience. How many people do we have in the audience who are currently serving in the military or you have served, you're a veteran of the military? Just hold your hands up. Hold them up high. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. If you've served in the military and you retired or you got your discharge papers under good circumstances, you know what it means to be a good soldier. See, some of us have never learned to be soldiers in the army of the Lord. Some of us want to be daisies in the field of the Lord. We bloom for a season, then we disappear. And then we come back the next year, and then we disappear. And then we show up, you know, we're, we're seasonal, kind of like Easter and Christmas, you know. We, we bloom in certain seasons, but then we disappear. Ah, uh, yeah. No, see, we need to have a perception of life and see life from the standpoint of a good soldier. One of the things we do here at the bridge, when we have members of our church or partners of our church, families in our church, when, when young men and young women enter the military, we take time out of service on a Sunday morning to pray over them. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We pray a hedge of protection over them. And I, I love people in the military. I love those who are defending our freedom and our rights. I love it. But, but here's the point. Every time I stand there and I put my, heart, my arm around a young man or a young woman and I'm praying over them, in the back of my mind I'm thinking about, boy, are you in for a treat when basic training starts this week. <laughs> See, I, I've never been there, never done that, but I've heard enough stories because when you join the military, all of a sudden some guy walks in the room, he starts yelling and screaming, he tells you to stand up straight, get your chest up, get your, look straight ahead, only speak when you're spoken to, stand in a straight line, and for the next six weeks, you belong to me. Am I pretty close to the truth? Can I hear a... Can I hear a, 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 a Marine cry in the building this morning? There you go, see? You guys know about that. 
And a lot of us don't understand. Once I enlist to follow Jesus and I give my life to him, one of the things I need to learn is to be a good soldier. Why? Because there are going to be battles in life to fight. Scripture talks about it. There are going to be battles that we must fight. And I want to skip down. We're there at verse 3. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Stay there, but I want to skip down to verse 10 for a moment because Paul talks more about this down at verse number 10. Verse number 10, here's what Paul says. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. Now, now pause here a moment. Pause here just a moment. Paul is saying here, look, I know you're going through hard times, but let me tell you, I've been through hard times too. We have to be strong soldiers in the army of the Lord. Now, this is a, is a catching point right here. You've got to listen to what I'm about to say. But many of us missee and misunderstand the battles of life. Now, I, I could take time and break our challenges into four or five categories, but let me just break it into three things real quickly today. Paul says, all the hardships that I face, it's persecution because of what I believe, what I preach, what I teach, what I'm doing for the kingdom of God. Okay? What he's saying is, the enemy doesn't like what I'm doing, and he's using people to fight against me to stop the ministry that God has given to me. The other form of battles that we fight... Second major form is the enemy trying to keep us from living the life God has given to us and enjoying his blessings. Now, some people think, well, the devil's been in my house all weekend beating on me and my wife. No, he hasn't. He, he's not everywhere at one time. He's not in everybody's house at the same time. He may have some kind of assignment to get you, but we give him way too much credit. Okay? Everybody stay with me. Damn, stepping on toes. And then the third, the third but let me, let me stop a minute. We do have an adversary, the devil, who goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's true. We got to learn to fight him. But that's not really what Paul's talking about here either. You know what most of our, most of our problems come from? You know where most of our hardships come from? Bad decisions. Right? Choices that are wrong. Oh, I want that car until the car payment comes. Then I don't so much want this car. Oh, I can't believe the devil made me do it. The devil had nothing to do with that. Okay? But Paul said, now listen to me, what Paul is directly talking about here is the persecution that comes because of faith and because of the life that he's living. That's what Paul's talking about. And in the church world today, so many people run around, well, it's just God's will for me to suffer. God's putting me in this bad place. He's trying to teach me something. This is happening. No, all it is, it's either the devil fighting you or it's mistakes that you've made. So quit giving the devil credit for stuff he had nothing to do with and make up your mind, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord and I can defeat the enemy. I can do this. I can do this. And he goes on to say, even to the point of chains, verse 9, I suffer trouble as an evildoer even to the point of chains. But then he says this, but the word of God is not chained. He says, God's word keeps working beyond 
the situation that I'm having to deal with on a personal level. God's word is bigger than what the enemy can do. And finally in verse 10 he says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. See, I don't care what the enemy's doing. There's victory over the enemy. But you've got to make up your mind you're going to fight. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, he said, fight the good fight of faith. If you'll fight the fight of faith, God will fight the rest of the battles for you. But you've got to fight. I'm enlisted in the army, so when I'm going to see life, when battles come, I'm going to identify who the enemy is, what the enemy's trying to do, and then I'm going to fight my battle accordingly. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Because no matter what difficulty you might be in today, no matter how the enemy might be pressing you, the word of God is not chained. You hang on to it. It's going to deliver you, and it's going to bring you to a better place if you just walk it out with God. But you've got to be a soldier. And, and then he says the second thing about this idea of being a soldier. Verse number four, he says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. What he's basically saying here is avoid becoming entangled or entwined in things that distract you from what you should have your eyes set on. Things that pull you away from the goal. Things that pull you away from the prize. You gotta learn to avoid being distracted by things. How many of you know there are a lot of distractions in life? See, soldiers learn to avoid distractions. I think that's part of why they do basic training the way they do. Because they take six weeks to beat everything out of you except your focus on what you're doing in the military. That's the idea. Some of us need to have a whole lot of stuff beaten out of us and disciplined out of us that we get our eyes on Jesus and just follow him and his word because if we do that, life would be a whole lot better. Thank you. Somebody said, preach it. I like that. Woo. What he's basically saying here is, don't go AWOL. See, that, that's a problem with a lot of Christians today. we got Christians who are constantly away without leave. Those of you watching online today, I'm so glad you joined us. Those of you who watch during the week, watch the replay, I'm so glad. But I'm going to tell you something. That doesn't replace being in God's house with God's people. You get separated from the army, you'll get picked off. The enemy knows how to pick off strays. This is good preaching. This is really good. Some guy just reached up saying, this guy's old school. I want to hear this. This is the word of God. You need to hear this. Some of us were Christians one month and we're not Christians the next. I believe one month, but I don't like this, so I don't believe the next. See, we have to learn to be soldiers in the army of the Lord. Now, our calling, my calling, your calling, it's to please God. We please the captain of our salvation. That's who we're here to please. We're here to please God, live a life that pleases God, not to please ourselves and other people. We're here to please God. Now, I, I, gotta, I gotta give you this illustration, and I know I gotta hurry, and I'm gonna do this. I've never been in the military. I told you that earlier. But my father was in the military. My father fought in World War II. 
My dad was among that select group of men that got to go onto the beaches in France in D-Day. If you've ever seen Saving Private Ryan, that's what my dad did. They dropped the gate, guys jumped out, and zing, 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 the bullets are going everywhere. They swam until they got into shallow water, and then they walked on shore, and they fought and did what they did to secure that beach. Thousands of men died on those beaches of France during that battle. My dad survived it. Now, why am I telling you this? My dad would never talk about the war when I was growing up. He just wouldn't tell me stories. He wouldn't watch war stories on TV. He refused to watch it. I didn't even know it until he was in his 80s. He had nightmares all the rest of his life from his war days. But after he told me what happened in the war, then I began to understand why he had nightmares. He talked about the fact that when they dropped the gate on those vehicles and they plopped and they jumped down into the water, when he jumped in, it was over his head. He started trying to gurgle and swim and his backpack filled up with water and it was about to drown him. And Sergeant swam over to him and got it off his back and said, son, you got to take that backpack off. It's going to drown you until you get in shallow water. And my dad says, but, but it's my backpack. It's my provisions. And the sergeant said to him, don't worry about that. There'll be plenty of free backpacks when you get on the beach. And there were. And dad said, finally, I got to shallow enough water. I began to work my way in. But he said, I was staying as low as I could go with my head down, just keeping my eyes forward because zing, 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 zing. You can hear the bullets and the shells just flying past your ears and your buddies are going down all around you. And you got to keep going and you're grabbing a friend and has been wounded and you're pulling them ashore and you're just hoping and praying that one shell doesn't get you all the way to the beach and then until you can get to a bunker. It's the same story, just zing, 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 zing. And what he told me was, you have to stay focused and keep moving forward. Let me tell you something. That'd be a bad time of life to get distracted with the affairs and other concerns of life. On that beach, they had nothing in mind except getting your head down and getting to the bunker and staying alive. Some of us need to get our eyes focused on God's Word and get our eyes so focused that everything we see is through the Word of God. And we don't get distracted with other things, but we stay on the mission. Because God has called us to be soldiers. What would happen if I saw Satan as my enemy in life and I saw God as my ally? What would happen if I saw it differently? What would happen if I saw Satan as a thief and God as my provider? What would happen if I saw Satan as the prince of death and Jesus as the prince of abundant life? What would happen? What would happen if we chose to go to war with Satan and fight for everything God has promised us? I'll tell you what would happen. Our lives would change. Be good soldiers. Number two, the second illustration Paul gives us is found in verse 5. He says, see life through the eyes of a world-class athlete. Verse 5 says this. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's great. I'm going I'm to see life as a soldier, but I'm also going to see life as an athlete. What is he saying in this passage of Scripture? You know, athletes, world-class athletes are really, really, really disciplined. It's amazing the discipline that great athletes have. They train, and they train extremely hard. 
You know, they say that the world's greatest basketball players have their training routine that they go through pretty much every day. Even on game days, they go through a certain amount of training. But they say the exceptional basketball players will be at the gym an hour, two hours before a game time, before anybody else gets there, and they're out there shooting 100, 200 jump shots every single day because that's their life and they're trained on being the best they can be. They have that kind of discipline. But as much as they train their bodies and they train their minds to play the game, they still get on the court and they have to have the same discipline to play by the rules. Because every sport, every game, every athletic competition has its rules. If you ignore the rules of the game, you disqualify yourself. I don't know how many of you were watching last night, early in the evening, I happened to turn the game on to watch the end of the game. In one of the playoff series, Two basketball players had been going at each other all night. Yak, 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 yak. Shoving, pushing, bumping, doing all kinds of things. And at the end, they'd already got a technical foul. With about four minutes left in the game, one of the guys bumped into the other one really hard, threw him in uh, to the, to the scorer's table out of bounds. And the guy jumped up, got in his face, started. And when it happened, one guy's laughing, one guy's screaming. The referee gave him another technical foul, and they both were kicked out of the game. Now, it didn't matter because one of the teams already had a big lead and it didn't affect the outcome of the game. But here's my point. I've watched basketball games where somebody fouled out with two minutes left and then it went into overtime and their team didn't have their services and they lost the game because of it. It's all because there are rules for those games. You know, there's a reason why sports have referees and umpires. Did you know that? They're not there for decoration. They're there to enforce the rules of the game. And I think sometimes we fail to understand and we fail to have a focus and see life from the standpoint of God has given me instructions in his word for my life. And I need to follow God's instructions. I don't like to use the word rules because it's, it's, it's not about meeting the rules to qualify yourself. It's about living out of a heart that says, I want to do it God's way. But here's the thing. Psalms 119, 105 says, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. It's instructions for my life. If you want to walk with God, you want to enjoy the presence of God, you want to see his blessings everywhere you go and all that you do, you need to understand the instructions he's given you. There's a reason why we preach God's word. There's a reason why I tell you to read God's word. I want you to understand the instructions. So you can walk in God's ways. And I want to go to 2 Timothy 3. I'm going to get off for just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is really the verses we're using for this whole group of messages. But it says in verse number 16 of 2 Timothy 3, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness or the right way to live. Verse 17, that the man of God, that you and I, people of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What would happen if we had the discipline of a world-class athlete 
and we decided, I'm going to read the world book. See, there are a lot of Christians who never even read the guidelines for life. I'm not beating you up today. I'm telling you, this is where your life is. This knowledge is life to you. If you discard it and you don't pay attention to it, you make dumb mistakes. And don't get offended because I have made stupid mistakes in my life because I discarded this. It's instruction for right living. It shows us how to walk in the blessing of God. And if we have the discipline to learn God's laws and learn his instructions and let them be applied to our lives, it would change the outcome of our lives. What would happen in our lives if we chose to discipline ourselves to follow God's word in the same manner that athletes discipline themselves? I'll tell you what would happen. Our lives would change. Now here's what somebody's saying. Yeah, but, but those people, that they do all that because it's their life and their livelihood. Isn't this your life and your livelihood? If it's not, it needs to be. Oh, that's good preaching. <laughs> number three. Number three, verse number six. Number three, the third picture. First he says, have the outlook in the mindset, see life as a soldier, see life as a world-class athlete. Number three, he talks about being a farmer. Okay, here's what he says in verse six, really simple. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. This is so important. I hope everybody will open your heart to this. The hardworking farmer should be first, must be first to partake of the crops. Every farmer knows farming is hard work. Even with the machinery that's been developed today, farming is still hard work. There's a lot of work to bringing in crops, growing crops, the whole process. Every farmer understands patience. If you're going to be a good farmer, if you're going to grow crops, you've got to have patience. You don't put the seed in the ground one day and it grows the next day and you bring it in. It doesn't work that way. It takes patience. Every farmer understands the important of, importance of sowing seed. Every farmer understands the importance of reaping the crops that grow. Did you know crops don't grow by themselves? It takes a little bit of work. You gotta water, you gotta pull weeds, you gotta tend the crops. You gotta take care of those crops. A good farmer understands that sowing and reaping are two different seasons, two totally different seasons. Every believer needs to understand that sowing and reaping is two different seasons. We wanna see it as two different moments. I sow here and I reap the next moment. Usually you sow here and you reap in another season. And you gotta have patience to see things come to pass. But every farmer understands that reaping the crops, bringing in the harvest, is your reward for all the other seasons of labor. Every farmer understands that. In this world of 
microwaves and, and computers that are so fast, uh, artificial, artificial intelligence. You know, Elon Musk says that the greatest danger of mankind is artificial intelligence. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he thinks. Some of you drive his cars, so you must think he's right. Some of you don't know who Elon Musk is. Go home and check it out. In this world where if you want information, it's right there at your fingertips. Any question you ask Siri, she'll either get it for you or she will frustrate you. <laughs> if you know what I mean. But you can go online and find the answer to just about everything, bam, that fast. But when it comes to walking with God, sometimes it's plant a seed, water the crop, pull the weeds, water the crop, pull the weeds, water the crop, pull the weeds, and finally, the harvest comes to pass. Have to have patience. Now let me get back to my point because I'm almost finished. Every farmer lives with a sense of expectation. I'd like to see us live with a sense of expectation. I'd like to see us, as we look at life, whether things are good days or difficult days, whether there's persecution or whether there are challenges we're dealing with, whatever it might be, I'd like us to live with a sense of expectation that God has made promises to me and what he's promised he's going to do in his time. We need that kind of patience. We need that kind of expectation. Every farmer lives with a sense of expectation and hope and faith. He sows and he waits patiently. He waters and he waits patiently. He pulls weeds and he waits patiently. He sees crops growing and the produce forming and yet he waits patiently for the right moment to reap those harvests. He sees the crops come to maturity and he patiently, carefully harvests the crops. And then when all the crops have been harvested, the party begins. I want you to listen to me. I'm almost finished. There's great reward in serving God. Some of us don't see life correctly. And I'm just struggling. Well, this is the atmosphere I was raised in. Well, living the Christian life is such a hard life. We just suffer all of our days, but... Someday, if we can hold the fort, Jesus is going to come get us out of this here mess. See, some of you are laughing to keep from crying because you were raised in that. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The only thing I gave up to follow Jesus was death and sickness and disease and poverty and all the things that Satan tried to put on me. That's all I lost when I started following Jesus. Because I learned that following God comes with great reward. I live knowing I've got seed in the ground. And any day now that crop's coming to fruition and I'm going to reap the harvest and have a party and thank God for it. I'm going to live with a sense of expectation and faith and hope. We need to live that way. I believe God wants us to live with the expectation and hope and faith i believe god wants us to know to believe and expect every promise in his word 
to be fulfilled. Hebrews 11.6 says that God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. See, the church world years ago used to make that, well, that's just spiritual stuff. No, it's not. It's about every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's about everything you need in this life. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life abundantly, supernatural life in this life. That's what God's promised, and we need to be expecting that. Then let's finish the message. Verse number 11. Paul finishes up talking about this reward that we have in Christ. He says, this, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. What he basically says is, as a seed, if I give my life to God, I reap his new life. I lay down everything that I could have done in my own strength to receive everything that he provides in his strength. Everything I could ever do for myself, I lay it down and I let him bring everything that he can bring into my life. Verse 12, if we endure, we endure as good soldiers. Everybody say good soldiers. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. In other words, if, if we believe him, we're patient, we receive everything he's promised. But the other part of the verse says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. See, a lot of people don't understand, even believers, if you reject God's word and walk away from it and say, well, this doesn't work, it won't work for you. He says, okay, if you don't believe it, fine. That goes against the grain of some of your teaching, but it's wrong teaching, I'm telling you. You walk away from what God has promised and say, well, that's not real. You'll never see it come to pass in your life. Everybody take a deep breath. Some of you are hyperventilating right now. Verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. See, if I'm faithless, it doesn't change God. It doesn't change the promises of God. It just means I don't believe God, therefore I'm not going to receive what God wants to give to me. It doesn't change God. You can believe whatever you want to believe about God, but if it's not right, it won't produce in your life. Let me, let me take it one more step. I'm almost finished. Let me take it one more step. Do you know why every Sunday morning I do what I do, or most every Sunday morning? You know why I do this? Because there are so many people in our world who think when they stand before God, when this life is over and they stand before God, that they're going to be judged based on what they want to be judged on. That's not how it's going to work. You're going to be judged on what God says. You, we don't make the rules. We answer to God with him being the judge, with him defining how we are judged. I don't do it. Your best friend doesn't do it. Your worst enemy doesn't do it. The faithful, righteous God is the one who judges us. And it doesn't matter if you believe his word or not. You're still going to be judged according to what he said in his word. That's why you need to know the word of God. If we're faithless, it doesn't change God. You don't have to play by God's laws, but you'll answer for how you've played the game of life. What would happen if we chose to live our lives as a good farmer, sowing and reaping according to God's word? I'll tell you what would happen. Our harvests would change. Our harvests would change. 
Then finally, I'm going to go back to verse 7 to close. I've gone through 13 verses or 12 verses. The last verse I want to use is verse 7. Notice what he says here. Paul says, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. The actual translation of this verse is, consider what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Three simple things today. See life. Live life as a soldier. See life. Live life as a world-class winning athlete. See life and live life as a successful farmer. God's word has spoken to you today, every one of you. It's spoken about something going on in your life. I want to pray for you right now. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, thank you for your word. It's truth. Thank you for your word. You've spoken clearly to us today. Now, Father, I ask that whatever you've spoken to us, whatever area of our life needs to be refocused, wherever our vision has been wrong, where we've been seeing things wrong and we've misunderstood things, Father, help us to get our eyes on you because you are a good God, you're a faithful God, and you have nothing but good plans for us. Give us the faith, the hope, the endurance, the patience to walk into everything that you promise us today. And Father, whatever you've spoken to us, out of these three illustrations, right now, show us how to apply it to our lives as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name I ask it. While your heads are bowed for just one more moment, maybe you've listened to this message today and you thought, wow, that's, that's good information. It really sounds nice, but I'm kind of on the outside looking in. I don't really know God. I don't know much about the Bible. I feel like I'm way behind the curve. You know what? If that's what you're sensing in your heart, God's probably knocking on the door of your heart right now saying, I love you. I care about you. I want to meet you right where you are and I want to bring you into my family. Maybe you've heard this message and you thought, wow, does God really have plans for my life? Absolutely. Does God really want to get involved in helping me make wise decisions? Absolutely. Yeah, but Gary, you don't, you don't know my life. You don't know what's behind me. You don't know the years I've lived and how I've lived. Haven't really walked with God. Can I tell you that God loves you so much? And quicker than a moment of time, he's willing to wash away all your past, all your sins, and give you a life you've never imagined you could ever have if you just open your heart to him. As a matter of fact, he put his son on a cross to pay for all those mistakes. Everything that was wrong with you, he put it on the cross with Jesus so that everything that was right about Jesus could be placed in your life. All the blessings and goodness of God could come your way when you receive Jesus and accept him as your savior, make him the Lord of your life. It's a journey, but it all begins with a prayer. Just simple words of communication saying, God, I need you. Maybe right now something inside of you is just turning over and you realize this is real and I need to respond to this. I need God's help. I want God in my life. It all begins with the, his invitation, knocking on the door of your heart and you responding saying, God, I need you in my life. We do that with words. We call it prayer, but I want to help you pray a prayer this morning that'll open your heart to God. It's just simple words. Nothing special about my words. What's special is when you wrap your heart and your faith around it, it becomes yours, God hears that prayer. 
So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in the building with heads bowed and eyes closed to pray this prayer with me. You don't need to scream the words, but right out loud, just pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. I want to follow you. I want to know you. Please come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways and I will follow you. I want all of your blessing. From this day forward, I'm your child. You are my father. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, if you've never prayed it before, or maybe you're the prodigal and you know it's time to come home, that's not the end of the journey. That's just the beginning of the journey. That prayer opens the door for a relationship with God. We want to help you start building that relationship with God and learning the ways of God. We've got a little tool, a little booklet, a gift for you called The Next Seven Days. It's just really simple reading for the next week to help you start building a relationship with God. One of the things we tell you at the bridge, we're not here about religion, we're here about relationship, relationship with God. We want to give this to you. There's two ways you can receive it. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk down to one of these teams and just say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll know what you need. They'll give it to you right there. Even if you don't remember the name of it, they'll give it to you. They'll know what you want. Can I have the booklet? They'll put it in your hands, no strings attached. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. They're just everyday people like you and me. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to pray with you about other needs as well. Please let us give this to you before you leave today. If you're in a really big rush or if you're a little bit bashful about the whole process, before you leave the building, out in the lobby, in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there. You can stop by there, get the same booklet. Just stop by and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there. It's our free gift to you. God bless you today. We want to help you get started walking with God. Hey, can we just put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family today? Awesome. What a great service. Can we just give Pastor Gary a hand for that great message this morning? Oh, well, at this time in our service, we are going to worship God with our giving. And, you know, we just heard a great message. And I just want to just touch on one thing we heard in that message, that the Bible tells us that we are to live with the perspective of a successful farmer. And you know, when we do that, that will totally shape how we think about our giving and how we give. Because a successful farmer knows that you won't reap unless you sow. And a successful farmer knows the value and potential in the seed. So as we give today, let's give as that wise, successful farmer knowing that there's value in our seed and we are sowing into our future harvest. Amen. God bless you as you give. You can see the ways in which you can give on the screen behind me. And as the ushers come, we're going to check out our church news. And then we just want to ask if you could remain seated because we have just a bit of important information to share with you before we dismiss today.
I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you feel right at home this morning and that you and your family have a great experience. Church is so much more than a place we go on Sundays. Church is who we are. We would love to help you get involved in the church so that together we can make an impact in our world. Here's a look at a few things coming up in the days ahead. We hope you'll find your place and be a part of what God's doing here at the bridge. Bridgie's summer camp is right around the corner. Summer camp is happening July 29th to August 2nd, and registration is live online now. Summer camp is an amazing five-day event designed to help teenagers connect with God and each other. It's one of our favorite events we do of the entire year. And we have some exciting news. This year, we have our friend Paul Reed from Audacious Church in Manchester, England, as our speaker. Summer camp 2019 is going to be legendary. From worship, to messages, to the rec games, to all the time spent together, memories will be made and lives will be changed. So go to thebridgechurch.tv to register today. Deposits made on or before April 28th will secure your spot and the early bird registration price. Camp will sell out, so don't wait. For more info, or if you'd like to find out how you can help sponsor students with financial needs who may not otherwise be able to attend camp, visit the summer camp table in the foyer after this service. We'll see you there, and we'll see you at Summer Camp 2019. Hey church, our next worship and prayer night is coming up on Wednesday, May 1st at 7 p.m. We want to invite you to come and be a part of this powerful night as we pray together and ask God for the things that we are believing for. We will also have a time of extended praise and worship where we honor God, invite His presence into our lives and our church, and make some extra space for the Holy Spirit to move. If you have not been to one of these powerful nights, we encourage you to come as we worship together and pray together and see God do amazing things. This is an all-church event where we will be combining with Bridge U. Bridge Kids will also be happening for all kids, infant through fifth grade. So join us on Wednesday night, May 1st at 7 p.m. and come expecting at Worship and Prayer Night. Thanks again for spending your morning at the bridge. We love being in church with you.
and that is true. We love being in church with you. So glad you're here today. But if you can hang with us just for a moment, we just want to share some exciting news with you. We are very excited about our Connecting Point program expanding because Connecting Point is so vital to what we do here at The Bridge. And if you're sitting there thinking, now what exactly is Connecting Point? I want to tell you, Connecting Point is the starting point. It's step one for anyone who is new or newer to the church, who wants to hear more about the church, the heart, the vision of the church, or anyone who maybe has been here for a while but hasn't gotten connected and plugged in yet, or maybe you just want to say, yes, this is my home church, Connecting Point is for you. And it's so important to us that we are changing the time in which we hold Connecting Point because we want it to be as convenient and accessible for you as possible. So Connecting Point is moving to the first Sunday of every month at 11.30 during our second Sunday morning service. So you can attend first if you'd like and then attend Connecting Point during second service. But we want to encourage you, if you have never been to Connecting Point before, mark your calendars for Sunday, May 5th. It'll be our first Sunday with the new format and join us for Connecting Point at 11.30, all right? And then please be sure to grab a stack of Easter cards before you go today. Pass them out to your neighbors, friends, coworkers, and remember service times are different next week, 8.30, 10 o'clock and 11.30, all right? And you can always check out the youth table out in the foyer. Women, can't wait to see you Tuesday morning at Bridge Women. Have an amazing week. We will see you next Sunday.